What is up, my MCU cast friends? We have a special treat for you today. Uh, there's a new show on HBO called Watchmen, and I know that it is not MCU, but we have a new podcast called Who Watched the Watchmen. It's myself and Jason Goss from the DC On Screen podcast. Um, first time doing a podcast with him, and it's been a lot of fun so far. So if you like what we do here, if you like the DC On Screen podcast, uh, and if you just want to watch Watchmen, on HBO, uh, you should. It's really good so far, and uh, this is the first episode. So if you are an MCU cast fan and you watched The Watchmen last night, join us for this review. If not, please ignore this. We'll have our Venom review out in just a couple of days. Peace. Today on Who Watched The Watchmen, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 1. It's summer and we're running out of ice. All that right after this ad that we have no control over. Welcome to Who Watched the Watchmen. My name is Matthew Carroll. I'm Jason Goss. What's happening, my friend? Oh, man. Just finished, and I'm super excited. Right? Ah, I've been waiting for this show. We've been excited and talking about this show a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. and finally on the cast the last few weeks, and now it's here. It's here. We have have a Watchmen television show on HBO. That's insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Something I would never have dreamed of. First thing we always do is read a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. So uh, encourage all of you. Go go get your review, and we'll read yours next week. Uh, we <laughs> have Salvatore Chief <laughs> on Apple Podcasts says, Stop right there. I'm in. In-depth discussions about <laughs> Watchmen. Love it. Hit, just hit subscribe. So... That's something you can all do. If you're digging this, you just found the show because we're we're covering Watchmen for the first time. Uh, the new series, it just came out, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are finding us for the first time. So please hit subscribe, give us a five-star review if you like the show. And if you don't, give us a five-star review with some constructive criticism. <laughs> Either way. Either way, just a five-star review. Anyway, I'm so excited to talk about this show. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was a lot, a lot went down. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. From the moment this episode started, I was completely wrapped. The, the first, whatever, five minutes of this episode, actually almost eight minutes of this episode, was insanely terrifying. Yes. And uh, I, I, I feel uh, bad about this, but I did not know about this event in Tulsa, but that is a true event, the uh, Tulsa race riot. See, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That was news for me. That is a true event, and uh, it's it's horrifying. You know, we, we talked a lot about what the graphic novel meant and what the movie meant, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting it to get so racial so quickly, <laughs> and it kind of put me on my heels going, oh, this is going to tackle not just the, the kind of big concepts of right and wrong and morality and uh shrewdness and how to whatever all those things that the graphic novel covered but this is going to directly attack race yeah i didn't expect to get that specific either but when i actually saw it i kind of thought you know what that's actually a big concept too like it's not it's not too far from the original uh you know the uh, bailiwick <laughs> i'll call it yeah it's for sure it's within what they could could want to do on this show, and they they just went right into 
um, policing and all the intricacies of that, and then race and all the intricacies of that. And uh, it, if anything, it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of very clear that like the white supremacists are the bad guys here. We at least have that to hold on to for now. Or do we? And I say that because the end of the story, the end of the episode, like, I definitely think you're right. That is one of the bad guys here for sure. It's the act one bad guy. It's the act one bad guy. But then in, you know, we, 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 we talked about it a lot in the, in the, in the preparation for this cast, the idea of being so sure you're right and taking an action. Mm -hmm. And that's what Rorschach does. That's what Ozymandias does. And, and that, and the, the book really questions those things. And that's what happens with the black freighter. Um, in this, this young boy who went through this horrible action when he was a child, mm-hmm. he hangs this, this sheriff at the end, which first off, d- did you notice the connection between the very first thing you see on screen and the very last moments of the episode? Um, uh, the thing, the, oh, the, the silent, well, the movie. last thing I think in the first, oh, the silent movie he's watching at the beginning yeah, is yeah. the black marshal hanging a corrupt sheriff. I didn't catch that. No, I, I didn't either. I started rewatching good. and I was like, oh shit, that's beautiful. I mean, I, like the last shot is the, the blood drop on the, uh, sheriff's badge. I thought, oh, yes. okay, well, I know what we're doing here. That, that makes sense to me. I hadn't actually caught the black and white feel of the uh, the original like silent film in the moment that that uh, race riot happened, and then it happening here again in some capacity. I hadn't seen that perpetuation. Yeah, it, well, it's it's that this this man has it built in into him from a very young age watching this uh, black marshal kill this corrupt sheriff, or like take down this corrupt sheriff. He has it built into him that that's, that's a thing that he has, uh, aspires to, to some degree. Like his hero is that. And the question is, did he do the right thing? Uh, was this a sh- corrupt sheriff? Cause everything we know about him, it seems like he's a good man. Yeah. What you've seen is normally he's a good man, but he's also, uh, they're going to draw some lines in this show about like the masks in this show are huge and they're going to draw some, some, they're going to uh, draw from the idea that like, well, maybe one of the themes is going to be like, maybe the police, uh, maybe it's unfair that they have to be accountable and nobody else does. And on the other hand, they're going to draw from the idea that like the escalation of, well, if you can wear masks, I can wear masks. Cause that's a theme that's explored heavily in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's going to be a lot of escalation of that idea of like accountability and transparency and all that. But in his mind, like it, now that you mention it, it was, for him, originally, it was a, a like a deputized marshal that took down a local sheriff. That was law and order coming to bear. And it, he specifically in the silent film part, um, there's the mention that like no, no mob justice. Yeah, he you know, says we're, no we're, mob violence will be had today. And yeah. then immediately he goes out into the street to experience like the worst mob violence we've ever seen. That juxtaposition for that age. And then, uh, I mean, what he goes through later. You know, one of the things that occurred to me, it's like a subtle thing that you're watching and you think, okay, yeah, that actually kind of makes sense in a way. It's like, uh, there's, he's being smuggled out. And of course they use the phrasing, like watch over this boy. Like, of course, watch is the verb. Right? Oh yeah, of course. That's great. Uh, <laughs> it's naturally, but he's, he's going out and you see 
you know, you see, you, he hunkers down in the box and you see the bullet holes. And something that occurred to me was like, one of the bullet holes comes through and he uses that as a peephole. And I kind of thought, yeah, statistically, yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know how unlikely it is that someone will put a bullet through exactly that? Yeah, that's, if you're going to take a look, take a look. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at that point, taking a look, that box isn't really protecting him. Looking through it isn't going to do anything. Clearly, he could have died in that box. And uh, everyone that was protecting him and presumably his parents and most of the city died as well. Uh, like, it's just him and that baby who I feel like there's a story there that we haven't seen yet. May have to do with the main person in this premiere. Yeah. I, I really think that what we're going to end up seeing here is the moral ambiguity of the choices made by that character to mm-hmm. kill this sheriff because as far as we see so far the Judd the sheriff sheriff Judd didn't do anything wrong. No, but they they give yeah, I mean there's uh there's portents here. Like there's uh like a a sheriff idly using what would be classified as a hard drug at a dinner with children. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I th- I think we're going to I forgot I forgot about the cocaine use. It, it's a harbinger, I would call it. Like, I there's, agree. There's something in his past. There's also the bigger harbinger with him asking for the release of those guns in some sort of uh, <laughs> panda bear uh, is telling him it's not okay. Right. Is pushing back, and he's saying, no, it's time for us to have our guns back. I don't know what that panda bear was doing or what that character is. I want to know more. Me too. Because that's crazy. I, I love panda bear. I really do. And... and <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's like a there's a guy whose whose role in this masked uh deputized program his role is apparently like no articles 4 section B subsection yeah. 4F yeah, no, says so good <laughs> if your shoes are tied from the left hand position that's he's, out of order he's like some sort of court stenographer slash like rule keeper in yeah. this weird, like that's the thing the, so they have masks which does seems super problematic but they're oh, also the way, way more restricted with their force they are but everyone's restricted with their force like the guy has to pull his uh he has to ask permission to get his gun unlocked that's what i mean uh, like the police officer well he was yeah, so, he was masked too though like there that he was just one of them true fair enough yeah yeah like, so the entire masked vigilante and or sanctioned actual police officers thing is, is supposed to be completely anonymous at this point yeah, as far and as I guess we can that's tell. to protect them and all that. Except By the for way, Judd. Judd did not wear, uh, wear, wear a mask. I thought about that. I think that's one of those things where you're in an elected position and that still cannot be anonymous. Yeah. And that like made sense to me in a way. He always has guards, though, too. Yeah. Uh, everywhere he went, there were guards. Guards who regularly let down their guard to smoke and show each other their identity, which he did not look okay with. Yeah, and every time he walked out, they were like, um, um, yeah, I'm sorry. And he, 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 he told people multiple times, put your mask on. Put your face. Actually, he said face, which I loved. He said, put your face on. Yes, that was a good nod. It was a good nod. It was a good nod to the movie. Okay. In fact, I, I didn't think, I didn't think about this until before. I want to point it out that Panda is black and white. That's true. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> that dude who's the strict, like, the rule keeper. Librarian of the... Of, yeah, he's he is fully black and white the entire time. Oh, that's gorgeous. Good point. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Also, Oklahoma. Th- that was an interesting... I, I read an article about what this. What a weird setting. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense. They're making it make sense for me. But it's a weird setting for a lot of things. It doesn't seem like a lot of things have happened in Oklahoma, which is probably very wrong. But... <laughs> 
in like a national context, you don't you don't hear about that a lot. This Tulsa race riot happened in Oklahoma, and I think they're using that as the as the as the setting, partially because of that. But also, yeah, it's weird to jump from the gritty streets of New York to this rural Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, and it's just a very different setting for this story. And the, the, one of the biggest losses, I think, uh, but probably good for the series overall is they, they kind of lost the epic sweeping dialogue of the, of the graphic novel and the movie. Um, everything is a lot more grounded and plain. Yeah. It, it's not going to be like this. This was not an Alan Moore product by any stretch. It's uh, the dialogue feels and I do, like you said, I think it's a good thing for the show. The dialogue feels like people are saying it instead of characters saying it. Yeah, I think if everyone talked like they do in the comics and movie that uh, it would get it would get old, I guess. Uh, Yeah, uh, I'd definitely be fatigued of that if everyone talked like Khan and Kirk do in in Wrath of Khan. I do like that there's a holdover where it seems like Ozymandias has something um is he has a bit of that old school demeanor we'll call it a, a yes. regal feel to it well i think he will be a source of that which 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 would be great and also i think this uh the black man in the wheelchair at the end will be a source of that he might be i, yeah. I think he might have more like he 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 has that same drama of that uh that old serial he was watching i, I have a feeling he might yeah be that character also did you notice did you notice the the newspaper that said vite officially declared dead Mm-hmm. and i have a theory i have a theory too go ahead what's your theory it's it's probably going to be the same theory it, it seemed pretty obvious to me but uh when he's talking to his two assistants who by the way until i'm told otherwise feel like they're uh, you know uh not androids but Whatever the right term is, they're but robots. I, yeah, they're I, that, robots. That's that's part of my theory. Yeah, I think they're yeah. I think they're robots. By the way, uh, if you're just watching the show and you haven't read the comics, where Vite is the character played by Jeremy Irons, the old rich man. Mm-hmm. Um, Vite is also known as Ozymandias in the comic books. Um, they didn't mention his name, I don't believe, at all. Mm-mm. They just call him Master. So, watching this for the first time, you if you if you hadn't watched anything else, you won't even know who we're talking about when we say Vite. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, well, especially if we say Vite Nazi in the same sentence, you're not going to know that that's the same, the same man. Yeah. So we insinuate it some way. Um, if you hadn't watched it, that that's all from the comics. And that character uh, is, is in the comics is responsible for all this squid madness that also exists. But can continue to talk. T- tell me what's your theory about uh, Ozzy being officially dead. I think you're going to agree. I He's literally making a thing called the Watchmaker's Son. I think it's his... Uh, his grand reprise, his swan song. Like, I don't think he's actually writing a play. I think he's writing his next version of the story he wants to tell. And if you looked at like the, you know, the featurette or the, the trailer for the next, uh, the next weeks ahead on Watchmen, I think it said or something like that. Um, he, he has an idea. He, he has a plan. He's going, he's, it's still Ozzy. It's still Vite. Like he's still going to be using fear to unite humanity like that. I agree with you, but here's my theory. I think those two are androids. I think they're clearly androids. And since Vite is officially declared dead, I think the smartest man in the world has been building androids for himself to test the uh, technology of transferring his uh, personality or body into a new body. Oh, 
You think he has like a Ray Kurzweil working on the singularity kind of situation? I think so. I think I think it's possible. I think it's I even possible it. that Vi- the Vite we see in this episode is uh, is already a robot version. It, and he's not as, and that's why the other robots were clearly not as good. The guy trying to use a horseshoe. You know, uh, they weren't as good, but it, it's still like he was organic. Like they talked about his thigh being harder. Absolutely. Uh, that, like, that's true. That's true. After a run. Maybe he wasn't, maybe, maybe you're right. But I, I just, I, this, I didn't even notice that newspaper on the first watch. It was the second watch. There's, it's there for a moment, but it says Vite officially declared dead. And I like, saw the word Vite and paused it immediately. <laughs> I need to know about that. I missed it. I, I definitely paused it when I saw Squid on the background of the classroom. Yeah. Did you see that? It's like Squid Anatomy. I was like, why is yeah. there a Squid Anatomy poster? And then they, <laughs> then they had it rain. I thought, I thought, okay, that's going to be our little nod to the comics. We're not going to get any other Squid stuff. And then like a second later, we had a Squid Rainstorm. Yeah. An actual Squid Rainstorm, which is crazy. Yeah. I I, and it. I don't know how it really like. I, I, I honestly don't know how it ties into the comics. There's no hint in the comics, it, like well, the comic that there's going to be squid rain. Here to four, enjoy yourself. Um, I it that doesn't make any real sense. But also, some of the things that happen in this show that happen in the novel are different. Sure. No, I, I think it's just another way that he is perpetuating the fear like i think that the the big the big squid thing happened in new york in the comic books which again if you haven't read the comic books uh ozymandias or vite cause a squid a big squid monster to appear in new york and it kills a ton of people uh right there to cause fear in humanity so that uh, humanity will stop fighting each other and band together to fight the squids or at least prepare for the fight with it is an extra dimensional being that they actually, they name check the extra dimensional stuff in this. They do in this premiere. They do, yeah. So they're, I think they're going all in for it. I think they're, I think we're going to get to Vite is so. So the, I think the squid rain in this episode. You also see after the squid rain hits the windshield, it evaporates very quickly into, and I think it's somehow he is still perpetuating through his like whatever transportation elements he's used used in the book or whatever he's perfected that over the last 35 years and he is causing little squid rainstorms just to constantly remind people that the squid interdimensional threat is still a thing and that you need to be worried about you know what that actually may that may tie into something because they used uh damn near the same klaxon to to early on when it was the uh, Oklahoma riot, it's a whole thing where you're watching this thing and it's interrupted by her not getting the notes right. And she just kind of breaks down a little bit, but the whole time, like what triggers her is the sound of, of the warnings, you know, the, the sound of those, you know, coming from where we come from, those are the sounds of tornadoes. Um, cause that's what we're used to, but yeah, for them, it was the sign of bombs and the sign of, uh, I guess a riot that had finally come to fruition. And, when you go back forward, or when you go back into present day, I guess, it's a very similar kind of like storm warning sound, but they treat it almost uh, almost like a semi-daily occurrence, like, ah, oh, shit, this again. And then they're all prepared. Like, you see people, you know, pulling out their... Everybody knows what it sounds like. Everybody knows what it is. But you see very, very quickly afterward, they have, like, she has the scraper, she just scrapes it down, a big deal... It smells, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's you know, just nobody, like a mundane thing, a mundane part of their just lives. Just an occurrence. 
just something in their yeah in their lives. Yeah, man. But I, I, I for, it, for some reason, it strikes me that that was the same kind of sound because the fact that in the early days of this, in the early part of the show, that that warning. Um, and the fact that they're using a warning system like that and that being like a race riot, a big deal. And then later those squids still being called, called out by that warning symbol. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like maybe it's part of his plan overall. And that's, that's some kind of like uh, a nod to, yeah, no, no, this is not, this shouldn't be mundane. Yeah. You should be worried. And I think if Vite is working on the singularity, if he's working on an Android body for himself, which is such a, such a leap, I know. <laughs> But it, it, Not necessarily. it seems kind of supported by the little bit I saw. Uh, but if he is doing that, uh, then it could be because he feels like if he doesn't continue his work of these, you know, fake interdimensional breaches, then the wars will start. Yeah, he's just keeping that tenor of yeah. stress you should be worried about like just keeping you at orange he feels like his his physical body is dying but he's got to keep himself alive for humanity's sake again a lot of hubris in this man yeah i think we were we were completely dead on when we talked in the preliminary cast about the watch or the rorschach army uh, mm-hmm. uh and what what inspired them uh they were yeah. inspired by the what they call conspiracy theories, but we know as Rorschach's journal uh, in the in in the book, which I, I loved. The, the only thing, so okay, I know they're making these, and this is actually why I don't think that the Seventh Cavalry is going to be the big bad of the series, because I think they're too simple of a bad guy for Watchmen. I mean, possibly, but. They have all the symbols. I mean, they sure. they have the Rorschach mythology. They've uh, they're literally working with old watches, like old school, back in the day. You know, kind of watches to come up with a new plan to do something right now. And they're clearly coordinated. Um, I agree. I, I don't know how long it's going to be before they're not maybe the big bads. Yeah, I just think that the. Telling a Watchmen story, if they're really trying to tell a Watchmen story, I feel like if they just make such a simple bad guy, because here's the thing about Rorschach. Rorschach wasn't racist. Yeah, I, that's one of the major things uh, watching it that I kind of thought was like, man, I think, you know, they're using his his verbiage from the journal and just uh, it, it actually occurred to me like when uh, Night Owl's, uh, Patrick Wilson's Night Owl is telling Vite later, like you, you didn't idealize humanity, you deformed it, and all that. Like that's the same speech I kind of heard in my head when they were using his words later as like Rorschach's journal. Yeah, you know the the liberals' tears and all that. Uh, yeah, like, they're I, using all his language, but they're deforming it. And this thing, like Vite, um, Doctor Manhattan, none of these are simple. They're just bad because they're bad or because they're racist. They all just make the wrong. They all make decisions that are questionable. And there's a lot of moral complexity to all their decisions. And I feel like if they're the big bad, then I think we're, I think this series will suffer for it. I think that they're going to be a MacGuffin of some sort that we're going to have to face in these first few episodes or whatever, maybe the whole season. But like, I think the real, complexity is going to come from who was Judd? Oh, also, did you see the picture on Judd's mantle place or on Judd's uh, 
bud not boudoir. Uh, his <laughs> what's the what's the word for the thing that he's looking in? His vanity. Sorry, vanity. Is oh the word yeah. Looking for. yeah. Uh, there's a picture on his vanity that's of him sitting on the lap of another sheriff. And if you do the oh. time right, it's a little boy sitting on the lap of an older sheriff. So I'm, I'm guessing that would be like his grandfather was the sheriff, maybe? Maybe, yeah. So my best theory for, for what's going on in this story is that Judd was actually a good man. Or, you know, as good as anyone's going to be in the Watchmen universe. Yeah, there's and a limit there. Yeah, there, there, there's there's an upper limit for sure. Uh, and this this boy who was in the first scene, who it comes, shows up in the last scene to kill him, mm-hmm. uh, was taking revenge on like the ancestor of the man who was responsible for the Tulsa riots. Yeah, and and maybe him doing that is actually going to be what causes you know a lot of chaos. In, 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 in the police force that's trying to do their best to stop these terrorists. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. It just, I, I was trying to figure out why he killed him. And, and the only thing I see is that that picture that it zooms in on real slowly right before he drives off. And I was like, hmm, that picture means something. It could be that. It could be that he's upset with the overall theme of the, uh, the lack of accountability. That that's, I mean, the, uh, one of the problems with a riot. And specifically, if you bring up that term, one of the problems with the riot is it's really hard to pinpoint later who did what. It's true. So an uh, early version of a riot could just be, uh, it might as well have been Masked Men. I mean, like, hell, a mask might have helped identify him later. Like, oh, yeah, the clown. <laughs> like, yeah, which one? Oh, the clown with the yellow eyes. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, we arrested him. What did he do? Yeah, he shot two people. Okay, cool. Uh, at least you have that. But, I mean, it's not a positive marker, but... In a riot, there is so uh, it, it's it is chaotic, and it is it's so chaotic that you could argue that the chaos that he maybe saw as a child, he sees now in like this full effect, worst case scenario like reduction of the idea of not having to to be accountable for your actions. Yeah, and no, that, I think that's a great, uh, and I'm sure. That that that's what what went on after. And by the way, I just looked it up, and that they, they, that that riot is known as the Tulsa Race Massacre. I feel like riot has a kind of uh, everybody on all sides was doing bad kind of connotation. And I don't want I want to be clear. It's the Tulsa Race Massacre because it was a bunch of white folks killing black folks. Um, yeah, I don't want I don't want to confuse that um, <laughs> by calling it a riot. That's, that's a good call, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just looked it just looked it up. I wouldn't want to make the insinuation either, but. It in any situation like that where there's like a street level violence on that scale, my point about the anonymity yeah, is, you're is totally still a problem. Right. You're totally right. I think that's I think that's a really good point, and it absolutely could be could that could be his motivation. I like that a lot. There's so much watch stuff in this episode. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, they're using the watches as a bomb to create cancer in people. Apparently, uh, there the, Vite gets a watch. Uh, you know, and obviously there's there's the history, there's the watchmaker's son, and you mentioned, oh yeah, you I meant to. There's so much to talk about. We keep jumping around. Um, you mentioned uh, the watchmaker's son, and you think that might be his next big uh, plan. Yeah, I think when he says I'm writing a play, and I want you to, to uh, you two to start. Here's my early on, way too early prediction. Right. Well, you know, you, uh, I mean, you know who the watchmaker's son is, obviously. Which one? 
Dr. Manhattan is the watchmaker's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it's a tragedy in five acts. It's the watchmaker's son. And to me, I think that's, I think whether that's a actual play or not, I think it, it either is an actual play and that play is the story of Dr. Manhattan, the tragedy of Dr. Manhattan. Well, they did call it a remix and, Lindelof called it a remix. And if you notice in this episode, like, Dr. Manhattan is not feared. He's literally uh, on Mars at at a fair. No, he's on he's on Mars. But there's a moment like a clip, just a second where he's at a fair and there's he's literally just like putting his finger on children's heads. He's just like a, a nice, happy like he might as well be Ronald fucking McDonald. Okay, I did see the big, uh, I did see the big, I didn't see that he was interacting with children, and I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be a feared image in that, in that, uh, it didn't part. feel like it. It could be, I agree. but it didn't feel like it in that moment. I agree. And I, I mean, obviously, as far as we know, in this universe, they don't think Dr. Manhattan did anything. Not necessarily. The squids were still responsible, and Vite is still a public figure, so it might just be that he is, he is the big bad of their past. Yeah. We don't know what parts they're going to necessarily keep and what parts they're going to move forward with and all that. But it could be as simple as uh, when he says it's a tragedy and the watchmaker's son and, yeah, great call that, uh, you know, Osterman is a watchmaker's son and all that. Um, Hadn't thought about that. Good call. Uh, It's genuinely like, I think this is, if not his... I, I think it's his second go at doing something. And maybe if the watchmaker's son part is correct, maybe it's finally his time that he's going to use uh, actual Dr. Manhattan instead of the squid. Like maybe we're there to be both, both yeah, versions. That's, of what a really, that's a really good idea. Like maybe this, this play in five, this tragedy in five acts is his next big thing. And they're going to pull from that first, that, that movie and make Dr. Manhattan the bad guy. Finally. Oh, Early prediction too, though. We we both think that those are not organic beings that are his servants, for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which is like the uh, I don't know the flippancy with which he is just naked in front of this person rubbing his thigh while he's yeah. doing something else and all that. I like, definitely seems, thought she was giving him a blowjob at first. For a second, I really right. did, and I was like, "Yeah, I think that was deliberate." Like, she sure that pulls fits her him. Head up. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "That's weird." That was that was strange. And there's something he's doing, and then they're so giving to him later, and he doesn't like the cake they made because it, it reminded me of like old Futurama episodes where it's like Bender wanted to be a chef. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just like there's a slight disconnect. And even my, one of my favorite parts of that is they they say like, "Oh, we we use the honeycomb you gave us," and he has this grimace. And in yeah. my head now, it's because he gave that to them so long ago. There's no fucking way that's not spoiled. It was a token <laughs> gift when he gave them that organic thing, and then now they've used it, and he's like, oh, this is going to be – this is going to be bad. This is going to be alcohol used as sugar in a cake. Yeah. Man. And then he eats it, and he takes one bite, and says, oh, it's fantastic. Please get it off. Right, early prediction, though, yeah, well, not only the robot thing, and I think there's a lot of reasons we think that, but early prediction, because it's Ozzy and his servants – always end up that way they're dead oh yeah it's the reason there that's supposed to be the the you know the the lead roles they're gone the only the only reason they might not be the the, the only reason they might survive is their 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 robots he actually has control over like i think the reason his soldiers in the past have died is because i think he could not trust them possibly but it seemed like he had written people with a version of free will like to the point that I wonder 
because he's already writing their exit in my mind. Um, that later when he, when uh, Mr. Phillips uh, shows such a sign of affection, like getting his old drawings and illustrations and like, like pulling from Da Vinci's, you know, old drawings that he threw out back and making mm-hmm. a watch out of it. There's such affection in that. They're like, yeah, he handed you a horseshoe and expected you to make a cake, uh, cut a cake with it. But like, maybe it humanized him in a way that he wasn't entirely comfortable with when he, <laughs> when he makes the watch for him. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Saying. That's too close to human. And now I feel kind of bad, but well, a plan's a plan. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe he realizes this guy is is making some decisions for himself, even though he's making decisions that are currently not perfect. He's not. He's. This is not the like the the model of of Windows 10 you released. <laughs> yeah, he's something's a little off with him. It's a beta version. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another completely out of left field um, prediction slash theory slash. What do you think? Is Judd uh, the night owl? <laughs> Oh, that would be a lot of fun. A uh, r- r- couple reasons. Uh, one of which has to do with the trailer. So I don't know if we, we want to talk about the trailer yet. But the main one is he was clearly flying Artemis, right? He was. And I I would say that works in his favor. But he was, A, right about what the ship could do if you pushed it. And, B, uh, they went down. Yeah, they did. They did. I just, I, like, I couldn't tell if, like, are we supposed to believe in this world? Maybe Dan Dryberg in the comics, who is the Night Owl, uh, he has Artemis. Uh, but I I don't know if we're supposed to believe that, like, Dan sold the plans to Artemis to use. I wondered about that. Like, how did they get the architect? Yeah. Like, maybe it's just a police issue vehicle now. Right? Maybe that's, maybe that's all that be. is. Like, especially when it flips over and you see the police symbol on the bottom, I was like, did he sell Archie's plans or did he, like, hand them over or... And you're right, maybe maybe they're actually one and the same, and I'll give you this. Later, when you see, the, like, uh, the American Hero story that they've been um, pimping throughout the episode is like, oh, look, and it, I love the meta version of, like, we're going to tell this story within a story that matters. Um yeah, I kind of hope, hope they continue to do that and that it is used almost like the uh, the pirate story is in the comics. That would be amazing. If, yeah. they, if, like, throughout the entire thing, they keep cutting to the screen showing another part of the old Watchmen story and it is informing what's going on on screen. I would love yeah. that. And I, I love that as a possibility, and I really – I would bet a paycheck right now that that's part of what they're building. I also love that it, didn't they call it American Hero Story? Uh, I think so. And one of the major properties right now is American Horror Story. That is I don't think that was a lost good on good call. <laughs> like uh, the producers, I think maybe knew what they were getting into there. That's but good. Like when that. you looked at who showed up on that table, and they did these like uh, retrographic reflections until they went to the live action and i can't remember the guy's name it's the guy who uh defends uh silk specter from comedian can't remember his actual name uh executioner dude with the noose yeah um until it goes to him in live action and that's clearly what they're aiming toward uh it's the old night owl at that table it's not the new one yeah Along with, and this is one of the parts that I'm kind of curious about, is like, uh, I think it's Dollar Bill that they name-checked twice. Like, he's there at the, 
I think that's his name. It's the guy with the blue with the little, uh, uh, the white end linings. I think that's Dollar Bill. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm bad at um, other names, so I'm, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> but it's him at that table as part of the American Hero story. And it's also him that's, uh, when, uh, what's her name? Ah. They used her name several times. I'm sorry, I just watched it. But it, it's when when they infiltrate the uh, the the cattle ranch. One of the pieces on the wall they have framed is this thing where it's like this old propaganda thing, where they're shoving out the quote riffraff, and it's just a like a stupidly Jim Crow looking fucking black dude. Yeah, that Dollar Bill's like smiling while he rushes him out the door. Same guy. So I don't know where they're going with the American horror, uh, American hero story thing. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't, I don't know, know what version they're going to tell there. Uh, it definitely seems focused on him for sure. Like in that in the American Hero story, it like zooms in on his eye to show his show his character. The white supremacists seem very proud of him. Let's put it that way, at least. I don't know mm. where that's going to leave us, but they seem pumped about him. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. That's a good point. Like maybe he is a proto Rorschach for them or whatever. Like he was the first version they follow. Like Something. he's the previous generation of what, which I actually always kind of thought when I was watching uh, the movie. I was like, because if you look at all the characters, they kind of all have not all, not all by any means, but they seem to have some of the some of the characters have analogs between the two, the Minutemen and the Watchmen. I, I I don't know what the two different times are called. The Minutemen are the old ones, right? Yeah. And then what are, what are they known as when they become when it's the new lineup? Watchmen. Are they the Watchmen? Okay. For some reason, I thought yeah. that was not their name. I don't know why. Anyway, so the the Minutemen and the Watchmen, like, it, th- there seems to be analogs between a lot of the characters. Like, this is the new Doctor Manhattan. This is the old whatever. I don't. You know. Yeah. They're replacements. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if he he was the Rorschach. The way he stops the comedian in the comic and in the movie. They always thought of him as the Rorschach of the group, and so maybe <laughs> maybe they're going there too. Yeah, possible. Anyway, we're doing a lot of speculation. Uh, do, do you want to get into... Did you watch the trailer for next time? I did. So in case you guys don't want to know what's happening in the trailer, one one thing I thought was really interesting, uh, so we're, we're, I guess we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, and the one I watched was a, like, in the next few weeks, not necessarily next episode. Yeah, same here, same here. The biggest thing was uh, the character who is coming from, I guess, the FBI or whatever to prosecute... The mm-hmm. situation. Did you get her name? Uh, no. I uh, Lori Blake. How nice. Which would be Lori, uh, who would be investigating uh, this, and her, and it, from Lori in the comics, her father's name is Blake. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that's not her name in the comics. It's Lori, whatever else. Juspacek. Yeah, name that we should... Name that's hard to say. Maybe look up, but haven't yet. Um, But uh, Lori Lori Blake is her name, uh, is the name of this character, and I don't know if that's her, but if it is, to me it gives more credence to the idea that this could be, that Judd might have been the Night Owl. Yeah. Because maybe her her old partner slash lover just got murdered. And maybe that's why she shows such interest in the case. I don't know. Just, uh, just a thought. Kinda I like that thought, though. I like the idea that he's Night Owl. Yeah. Well, he's just driving Artemis, so I immediately thought that in the comics they hide their identities at the end. Yeah. 
So it would it makes sense to me that he would have a different name. I mean, he had a different name at the end of the comic, I think. I don't know if they said it or not. I can't remember. And I wonder if uh, now at this point, him and Lori have both just changed their names again. And and he's now Judd and she's now Lori Blake. So, yeah, that's anyway, pretty good. I, I like that we might be getting more of the original Watchmen than we realized. That I like that a lot. And you saw the last, uh, like, maybe the last frame is a very blue hand. Oh, was it? Oh, mm-hmm. oh yes, you're right. The last frame of the, sorry, of the trailer. I was like, that's the trailer. The show. What? No, the show? No. No, the show, yeah. The show got nowhere near. Well, no, it did show Dr. Manhattan. It did. Once on Mars. In all his naked glory. All his naked glory. Letting houses fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I think this was a really solid first episode. The The first eight minutes were intense as hell. Yeah. And it ended in a place where it's got me really curious about, you know, who's good, who's bad. Because obviously in that first scene, I am all on board with that young boy trying to escape the race uh, massacre. Yeah, but then later, you don't know. That's so fitting, though. Is like I, No matter how much I wanted to root for somebody, I kept thinking, yeah, you're probably going to fuck me over later. Yeah. Because that's, that's the, the nature, nature of this story. And they kept that theme pretty well. Yep. And I think it'll. I think it's going to continue to. I think it's even possible we'll get uh, some humanization of the uh, the Rorschach characters. Now, I think it's hard because they started them out in a real dark place, as racist as they are, especially the leader. It's going to be impressive writing. Yeah. Uh, no. No. I think that. But that's the thing. I think this show is being made at a time when our country is incredibly divided. And many people do look at people who disagree with them as racist and other people who disagree with them as, um, you know, liberal people letting their, letting their streets flood be extended gutters, uh, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and so I think like it's possible they could be telling a story that tries to humanize a little bit and tries to not necessarily forgive certain things, but to understand certain things. And I, and I, I think that's interesting. I think that could be interesting. We'll see where they go with it. But they definitely started this uh, seventh cavalry in a dark place, a dark, dark yeah. place. And clearly, if they're if they're the spiritual successors of the Tulsa massacre, then uh, they're they're not to be rooted for by any means. But I do think it's interesting that in the end, someone who we have no idea, Judd had no connection to any of that stuff that we know of, except for that picture could be. Could be his grandfather. Maybe his grandfather was the sheriff then. I don't know. Uh, it's possible that this young boy tragically killed a man who was actually fighting to stop the white supremacists, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I viewed the the like the like uh, the original black and white intro, like the cold open, as some kind of morality play. And I, I think there may be more to it. I think you may be right about that. I think it. I think it's just the young boy building his personality. He's watching his hero as a kid, and then he grows up to try to do the things that he was taught. And 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 it, we know in in the world of Watchmen, it is dangerous to be a fundamentalist. It's dangerous to have anything you're sure about acting on. Yeah, in this world, it's it's rough. Yeah, and that's I love that. I love that story. And so I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what, uh, what is that boy's motivation? I keep calling him a boy because he was a boy at the beginning, but he's an old man. He at was the end. Yeah. Did we, did we never got his name, did we? Um, 
No, not that I recall. I don't, I don't recall either. He's going to get featured going forward. I mean, he, he has a... <laughs> he has a scene in the, like, in the coming weeks. It's, you're like 90. I'm 104. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean... 405. I'm, I'm like, yeah, he's... And he's he's also the one that's like... He's watching... Uh, what's her name? God, I wish I remembered her name. I'm sorry. Um, he's watching... What's her name, though? You know, what's her name? The main fucking character in the show we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get her name either. I feel like she... I know that she will be a good character. I really do. But I did not... I, I didn't feel... Oh, I think she's the main character. And I'm deeply disappointed that I didn't pick up her name. But I was more interested in her story. So I didn't quite catch her name. Yeah, same thing. That's how I operate as a human anyway. Uh, Angela Abar is her yeah. name in the show. Apparently, good. I don't remember that ever being said at all. No, I'm so not sure. Maybe it's I. not your fault. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm sure they probably said Angela at some point. But Angela, yeah, because I'm, I'm sure her husband would have called her that at some point. But yeah, I mean, I, I like I really liked her in this show. So God, I, I, I don't want to. It's that's not taken away from her. I no, yeah, she was great. I didn't catch what was she going really, on. Sister Knight is her, I guess, superhero alter ego. Nice. Name. That is a really good alter ego name. It is. I did not get any of their alter ego names. <laughs> Apparently, the girl who was piloting Artemis or or the police issued Artemis was some uh-huh. sort of pirate, something pirate. <laughs> that sounds fitting. Uh, so that's fun. And there's that Russian guy. I didn't get his name either. I, I I'd really like to oh, get all their names. Did you also have the experience with the Russian guy where you saw him and like the first clip you see him in he's just like snacking on the like a like a you know donut that's already over his mask and everything and and then later i was like yeah i don't i don't like this guy because he he looked like he was kind of dressed a a bit douchey yeah well yeah for sure i think he's being played as a a bit of a joke right now like i was sure he was going to be like oh yeah no he's he's the red shirt incident of this show and he was literally wearing red. Like, I was ready for him to be <laughs> mowed down in the cattle field. And yeah. then later he was Russian. I was like, oh, no, he's just one of those badass Russians in a leisure suit. No, he's going to be fine. <laughs> that's funny. That's what uh, that's what made you realize it was gonna, all going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. He's Russian, no, he's going to survive. He's going to be good. Don't worry about him. They didn't give me much to work with, and I, I I had nothing but stereotypes to play with. Well, well, the one big thing about him being Russian that's important is when we last left the world of the Watchmen, we were one minute to midnight uh, on a on with a destruction Russia. clock yeah. on a war run with the Cold War Russia. So yeah, it's very much a Cold War story. The first thing now now apparently we're close enough friends with them that one uh, that a Russian man lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as a police officer. A masked police yeah. officer. So, like, and 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 d- does not seem to have assimilated at all. <laughs> no, he's wearing. I feel like what he would exactly wear if he was in Russia right now. Yeah, no, he's like he's like stereotype of a Russian mobster. Yeah, uh, so that's that's fun. <laughs> and the the crazy part is like the Russian mobster stereotype is so kind of like oh yeah no that guy's a badass. That when that was what when that was what I finally saw, I was like, "Oh no, I get, I get that, I get that." Don't don't even worry about it. before when I was worried. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I just I, and did you have this experience watching the show because there's so much death up front? Um, 
did several times watching the first episode, I was like, mm, somebody's about to die. Mm. Um, like, yeah, especially when they were standing on what what are, I guess we're going to call police Archimedes. Right. Is it always uh, Archimedes? When, I keep calling it Artemis. Sorry. I think it's Archimedes. You're I right. I think it's Archie. You're, it's Archie. Archimedes. You're right. Not Artie. <laughs> the, um, I, they were standing on top and I was like, that's seems like a super vulnerable position. Y'all need to get down. I know. They're standing on top and laughing in a way mm-hmm. that I was like, someone's about to die. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like that, that person who hasn't been named in the, in the veil, she's about to go. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then she didn't. Nope. And I was happy for it, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I fully thought she was going down like a hundred percent. Yeah. And then she didn't, and it was nice. <laughs> and we'll see her again later, probably. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. Uh, well, that's about all I got on this. Any other major points you wanted to point out or talk about? Um, I will say this about overall the music, because I was excited about it. If I hadn't known that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were doing this, I could have literally heard it in the background on somebody's phone on a subway and would still have known that they fucking did this show. That's awesome. That's great. It's so clearly those two. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah, man. I love it. I love that. I love that you uh, are so excited about those two doing this show. And I love that it's uh, it's doing what it, what you want it to do. Yeah. I mean, th- there were certain sounds they use. Uh, and right. not to mention the like instincts of, of that musician. Like certain sounds even they use. They're like, yeah, that's in your library. I know who we're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We are Who Watched the Watchmen. Uh, if you are just finding the show, please subscribe. We will be here every week to talk about Watchmen. Uh, and also, we do two other podcasts. Uh, it'll probably be mentioned in the outro, but since it's our first actual cast doing this live, uh, I do the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Jason does the DC On Screen podcast. And uh, those are those are kind of our big flagship shows. So if you like what we're doing here, please go find those. Um, we talk about all the Marvel and DC stuff. So that'd be really cool to hear from you over there. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. And remember, we're not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with us. Thank you for listening to Who Watched the Watchmen. If you want to hear more from Jason Goss, check out the DC On Screen podcast. If you'd like to hear more from me, Matthew Carroll, check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Trek Universe podcast, or the Orville Universe podcast. I also make music, so you can check that out anywhere you get music. Just search for Matthew Carroll.